0: watched the Indians last night. How many of you know that they won? Yeah. Won in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, I was watching them. And they tied it up, and then they went behind, and I got a little bit bummed out. And then bottom of the ninth, they get up, and, and they actually win. And, and we get this, whoo, everybody gets excited, and we jump up. And then we go home, and nothing really changes about life. Right, Steve? Did you holler? I mean, this morning, after, was it the first or second song? Somebody here felt like clapping, and then we heard a couple of. We were almost embarrassed, but we did. We thought about it. But boy, we have got something to celebrate about in our Savior Jesus. And, and I miss that sometimes. You know, I get caught up in, in the Indians and, and all of the, you know, and I love watching baseball, but we have so much more to celebrate in, in, in Jesus Christ. And sometimes I, I long for us to be more expressive in our appreciation, in our worship of our Savior. I, 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 for me, you know, I stand up here and and I'm like well but but I have so much to be thankful for, and a God to worship, and he wants all of my worship and as I, as I think about the message for today and and how God desires and how through Jesus Christ he has come in and and cleansed me and purified me so that I can act in a way that is pleasing to him. That is something to worship about. Turns me to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing our series in, in the Sermon on the Mount and just a little bit of reflection. You know, Jesus after the Beatitudes and the discussion about salt and light, begins to to tear down the the self-righteous system of the Pharisees. And he begins with two of the strongest human weaknesses I believe there are, and that is one is allowing hatred to to fill our hearts, and the other is the desire for sexual fulfillment. He says we're not to hate our brothers, and we're not to, to commit adultery. But in it, Jesus is tearing down what the Pharisees had believed. And remember, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, he said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, your righteousness is about more than just outward expression about the way that you act. It's much deeper. And here in verses 21 through 48... He's destroying the self-righteous system of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And by tearing down their supposed holiness and revealing the fact that that their hearts were wretched and and they were evil sinners, and that he was reminding them or, or telling them the heart is what God is concerned about, that's the issue here. And he presents them with a standard that they alone can't keep. And they recognize or must recognize that that in and of themselves there is no solution to this sin problem. And that's what he's addressing, the sin problem, the heart of the issue. He's contrasting their system of truth, their definition of sin With God's definition of truth and sin. And we have to, first of all, we have to understand what sin is. We have to understand the sin issue, the doctrine of sin. You know, the, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had a superficial view of what sin was. And so they were able to accommodate that superficial view of sin with a superficial view of salvation. See, they saw it simply as a matter of, of what they could do to, to overcome this sin. And I think today, we, a lot of times, we have a superficial view of what sin is. You know, sin isn't really that bad. It's just of uh, the way that I act. You know, if I, if I come to church and if I don't do all the bad things that the bad people do, I can, I can be all right and, and I can take care of this sin problem myself. And that's what these Pharisees and teachers of the law, they assumed that they could accomplish this through rituals, through religious acts. But what they didn't understand is, is, the, is how ugly and how deep sin really is because you see really in Isaiah 52 too, it tells us that, that our iniquities have, been, have separ- put a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. So really, sin separates us from God. And sin is something that is so deep and it penetrates deep down within us into the depth of our being. And until we understand that, that only God can bring us salvation... We will continue to try to create salvation on our own by doing good things. And what Jesus is wanting them to understand here is that they need to have a right understanding of sin. And when, when they had a right understanding of their sin, it, it forces them and it forces us to run to Jesus Christ for that salvation. We have to rely on him. And it is this right understanding of sin that makes us to realize that without him we are nothing. If we understand how deep and stained our hearts are because of sin... It helps us to understand how precious the cross is, and the only reason that we can be saved is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And if I understand how powerful that hold is on me, that this sin that indwells me will cast me into hell if I don't run to the cross for salvation that Jesus is offering. And that's why in the in the beatitudes in the beginning of of the sermon on the mount Jesus said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who understand their lostness. Blessed are are those who mourn for their lostness, and blessed are those who are meek, who understand their 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 um lostness before a holy god and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness we have to understand that this doctrine of sin our complete lostness before we can realize how desperately we need jesus christ and that we cannot live out this Sermon on the Mount without having received Jesus Christ as our Savior and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I believe today in the church there is a warped view of sin which creates a warped view of salvation. And it is, a much, it is, it is very much based on works. What I do, I say a prayer, I get baptized, I attend church, therefore I am saved. That's a wrong view of sin. I need to accept Jesus Christ. I need to ask him to come and cleanse me of my sins and all of my unrighteousness if I want to be saved. So Jesus was trying to explain to them, to help them to get this picture of how how wretched they really were. And then in chapter 5, in verse 27, He goes on with the, you have heard it said. He says, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Then he says something really harsh. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And throw it away, for it is better to lose one part of your body than your whole body and be thrown into hell. If your right arm hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than to lose, than for your whole body to go into hell. Very strong statement, but let's look at this. Let's look, first of all, at the deed of adultery that he, first of all, he says, for you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. And you know, they were right in saying this when the Pharisees says that you should not commit adultery. They were right. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, one of the Ten Commandments, God said, you shall not commit adultery. Adultery is a physical sexual relationship with somebody other than your spouse and the punishment for those caught in adultery was death in leviticus chapter 20 verse 10 it says if a man commits adultery with another man's wife with the wife of his neighbor both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death now you would think that would take care of the problem if you knew that the, the result of you being caught in adultery would be stoning to death. That would stop the problem, but you have to remember this is a heart issue, and and this this sin of this uh, uh, sexual sins are, are so run so deep and, and, are, and are so um, entrenched in us that that even death. Doesn't de- didn't deter everyone from this sin. But God makes it very clear that, that adultery was sin. And it is sin, and that has not changed. It doesn't matter. You know, adultery is sin, was back in the Old Testament, is today. But I believe here he is talking about and addressing all kinds of, of sexual sins. He is addressing the, 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 the issue of of adultery as well as fornication, because if you go on down and we'll get there, he says. Even if you look at a woman, it doesn't say whether this woman is married or unmarried. He says, if you look at a woman, you have committed adultery. So I believe this is covering all kinds of sexual sins, any kind of, of of sexual sin that, and sexual sin is any time that you have sex with somebody outside of marriage. Because that is what it has been reserved for for, for, for a man and a woman who have been married to enjoy. Anything outside of that, the Bible says, is sin. So it doesn't matter if you're engaged. It doesn't matter if you've been dating for two years. It doesn't matter if you believe that you love each other. If you are having sex outside of marriage, the Bible says it is sin. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with the deed of adultery. He said he doesn't just address the act, but he addresses the desire. So what is the desire behind it? He says, but I tell you, anyone who looks lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now I believe this is, a, you know, it says if a man commits, I believe this applies to both men and women. But I believe men are more prone to to lusting and and to having these feelings. But but this applies to both men and women. And what Jesus was telling the Pharisees here is, look, he said, you were right in saying that you should not commit adultery, but you haven't taken it far far enough. Not only do I want you not to commit adultery, but I don't even want want you to think about it, to, to harbor it in your heart. You know, you stopped with the externals. The Pharisees did, and, and, and what he's saying is, you know, what they believe that if they, if, they didn't, if they didn't act out, if they didn't have sex with another man's wife, then they were okay. What Jesus is saying here is, is look, if you even think about it, if you have it in your heart, then you have committed sin. And he, he drives it right down into their hearts and said, here is where the problem is. It's right here. This is where it starts. In Psalm 66, verse 18, David says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. See, this this act begins by cherishing it in your heart. You You could translate this, anyone who looks at a woman, it could be stated, in the process of continuing to look. Think about that. It could be be stated this way, and maybe it's even better, in the process of continuing to look. This is a continuous action. It isn't an inadvertent, accidental glance that Jesus was talking about. It's a purposeful, repeated, lustful look. It isn't just an involuntary glance, but it is that which is purposeful. Then he goes on, Jesus goes on, and I found this statement. He says, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, he says, has already committed adultery in his heart. Notice it doesn't say if he looks at a woman, then he commits adultery. It says if he looks at her lustfully, he has already committed. You see, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her, commits adultery i believe that is the idea here because it is the adulterous heart that results in the willful look see the sin has already happened in the heart you see this sin has been festering these lustful thoughts have been festering in your heart before the look has happened and i'm here to tell you this is a huge problem in our world Now this is a huge problem in the church. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you are addicted to pornography. You have allowed the lust in your heart to need to be fulfilled with the look from your eyes and you're stuck in this. And it's controlling you. Jesus says, that's sin. And if you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, it's it's a heart issue. And I know this is is not a fun topic for us, for me to talk about, or for you to listen to. But this is the reality of, of God's word and the warning that Jesus is giving us. You know, this verse could read something like this. I say to you that whoever continues looking on a woman for the purpose of lusting gives evidence to already committing adultery in his heart. See it's a much deeper issue than just the act. The issue is right at the heart. It's a heart problem. And it's the heart that has to be transformed. Because it is out of the heart that proceed the evil thoughts and the murder and the adultery that is committed. And if you go back to even, you about it says that, you know, you have heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say, you, you can't hate your brother. It's out of a heart of hatred that murder happens. It's out of a heart of lust that adultery happens. Adultery never just happens. It's something that is, has been brewing and is conceived in the heart before the action takes place. It's not an accident. Now, we will all be tempted to look. But the temptation is not the sin. The sin comes in what we do with it. If we entertain the temptation and if we maintain that temptation and if you entertain those evil thoughts and you continue to to brew them and that's when it becomes a sin. You know, you look at the story of David and Bathsheba. David one day was out on his out on his patio and overlooking the city, and all of a sudden he sees Bathsheba bathing off in the distance. It wasn't that look that David uh, of seeing Bathsheba bathing um, on the, on her rooftop. It was what David did with those thoughts. And obviously, David already had some things going on in his heart, or he wouldn't have he wouldn't have Pursued Bathsheba. Man, where are your hearts? What's going on in your heart? Because That's the point that Jesus is getting at. What's going on in your heart? Is the real issue. And you know what, ladies, let me let me talk to you for a second here. In First Corinthians 6 19, he says Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Ladies, the way you dress is very, very important. I believe many times we cross the lines in the way that we dress. And I think think when you leave your house in the morning, ladies, you should ask yourself, is the way I am dressed... Glorifying God? Mothers, when your daughters leave the house in the morning, you should ask yourself, is the way my daughter is dressed honoring and glorifying God? Because that's a serious issue that also needs to be addressed, but we won't do this morning. But, but, but there is a responsibility that, that women need to take in the way that they dress themselves and the way that they carry themselves. In this whole situation. But he goes from the deed of adultery to the desire behind it, what's going on in the heart, to the deliverance from it. Here's what Jesus, here is his remedy for this. He said, If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Now, guys, I'm not sure, but, but if you're struggling with adultery or if you're struggling with these lustful thoughts, and I come to you and say, you know what you need to do? You need to cut your eye out and cut your arm off. That'll take care of it. You'll probably look at me and say, you're crazy. But here's what Jesus was trying to do. It's called a hyperbole. He was trying to shock them into reality. You see, in in Jewish culture, the right side, the right eye, and the right arm, and the right leg, those are the dominant, the best parts of your body. Sorry about you left-handers, about your luck, but but you're just like second-class citizens in Jewish culture. Just kidding. But he says, if you're sinning, he says, there is no, there is nothing too severe to keep you from sinning no nothing you can do is too severe to stop you from sinning. you've got to get a handle on this so how do i get out of this situation you may be sitting here this morning and some of you are you're sitting here and you know you struggle with this some of you may be sitting here this morning and you're addicted how do i get out of this you do what jesus said cut your right eye out, cut your arm off. You get rid of the most precious possessions that you have if that's what you need to do to get rid of it. Whatever it is that feeds the heart of lust, you need to get rid of. That's the first thing. Whatever it is that feeds your heart, you need to get rid of. First Corinthians 6, 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee from your youthful passions and pursue righteousness. We need to run from those things that cause us to sin, from those things that tempt us. So if you go to the movies and you're watching movies that you shouldn't be or that that, that have sexual content and you know it's going to, to cause you to lust and cause you to sin, you need to not go. If you have a problem with TV, maybe you should just get rid of it. If you're getting online and going places that you shouldn't, you need to take drastic measures to stop yourself from doing that. So I have to to get rid of whatever is feeding my heart. I have to recognize my sin and confess it to God. First John 1 John nine says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, this is a winnable war. But I have to take steps to win. And I have to, if you are stuck in this, the first thing uh, you need to do, you have to get rid of the things that are causing it. You have to confess your sin before God because it is only he that can cleanse you from all that unrighteousness. And then I have to confess your sin, my sin, to a trusted believer. And this is where, you know, it's one thing to confess your sins before God, But it's a completely other thing to confess your sins to another brother or sister in Christ. But in James, it tells us, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Some of you need to be healed from this this sin and this sickness that you have. The Bible says, confess it to your brother. Because what that does is that creates accountability, Remember, go to whatever steps you need to go, to whatever measure you need to go to get rid of it. That's what you need to do. And these are drastic measures. But that's what it takes. Drastic measures. That we need to find somebody to be accountable to. You have to have somebody that you can trust that can every day or every week call you and say, how are you doing? How are your eyes doing? How's your heart doing? Have you been tempted to stand? And what have you, what have you looked at online? And what have you watched? Drastic measures. But Ecclesiastes 4.12 says that though, though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, a cord of three is not quickly broken. You see, on your own, you're never going to stand. You need somebody to walk with you. You know, this this faith that we have in Christ, you know, the church, we're created to walk this faith together. And this is a life and death battle. Your eternity is at stake. That's why Jesus, I believe, says that to shock these guys to the reality, your eternity is at stake. When he says, cut out your eye or cut off your arm. Now, if Jesus were here this morning, maybe he'd say something like this. Look, I need you all to listen to me right now. If you've been texting during the service, I want you to stop right now and listen. If you've been talking to your neighbor all during the service, you need to stop and listen. If you're sleeping, you need to wake up and listen because I've got something to say. He says, your eternity is at stake. And our eternities are at stake. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst, those are relentless needs that we have. They will never stop. We will always be hungry and always be thirsty. If you ate breakfast this morning, I bet right now you're starting to get a little bit hungry. Your stomach might even be growling. If you had a drink before you came in, you probably are starting to get a little bit thirsty and you need something to drink. Those are continuous needs that we have. And when Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, that's a continuous thing that I have to do. I have to continue to hunger and thirst after what is right. It doesn't just go, it's not a one time thing. I have to continually hunger and thirst. I have to continually guard myself against the wickedness of my heart. Jesus says, Your eternity is at stake. Don't stop. Pursue purity. Do whatever it takes to pursue the kingdom of God. Because he says, if you don't, and you continue in this way of life, hell is what is waiting for you. You see, this battle of righteousness is a fierce battle that we are fighting. This is no laughing matter. This isn't a light thing. And that's why Jesus says, That if if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away for it's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Where are you at this morning? Where's your heart? Because this is what Jesus is concerned about. So men and women, the deliverance from this is, is quite simple. You've heard it before but you've got to put it into action. If you're going to get out of this, if you're going to overcome this, you have to take drastic measures. You know, there's an old saying, drastic times require drastic measures. So maybe that's you this morning, but it's time to take drastic measures. And I want to pray for you this morning that that, that God would give you, first of all, the courage to look at your heart and to be honest and to honestly evaluate. How many times this week did you look at something you shouldn't have looked at? How many times did you look this week at someone in a way you shouldn't have looked at them? It's time to take some drastic measures. It's time to get on your knees before God and to confess it to him to find a brother or a sister in Christ that you are comfortable with to confess it to and to hold you accountable and then continue to pursue righteousness. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. Let's pray. Hey, you, you know, as I was talking this morning, you know if I was talking to you You know if you struggle with it, and I want to pray for you. But I also want you to take some some steps and to find somebody to talk to about this. And if you want to talk to me, I would love to talk to you and, and walk with you through this process. Father God, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I praise you, first of all, for, for your son, Jesus, for the cross, for, for the sacrifice that was made on the cross for me, Lord, and, and, and for the hope that I have. Lord, I pray that we would all recognize the depth of our sinfulness, And the seriousness of our sinfulness and 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 the reality that that sin that our sinful state will lead to hell apart from knowing Jesus Christ. So I praise you for the cross and for my Savior who cleanses me from my sins. Lord, I pray this morning you would, you, you, you would just do a work among us. Lord, begin to do a work in our hearts. Begin a cleansing process in our hearts. And Lord, where drastic measures are required, I pray that we would have the courage and the willingness to take those measures. Lord, to be released from that bondage. And I pray in the name of Jesus that Satan would be bound and, and the the lust and and the adultery and, and the sinful thoughts, Lord, that we would no longer be Um, be imprisoned to those thoughts, that Satan would be bound, that that we would allow Jesus to come in and to cleanse us and that we could live a victorious life. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that that those chains would be broken this morning and that there would be freedom. And Lord, that we would walk in victory. And Lord, we would walk, we would pursue you Lord, that we would hunger and thirst and we would be filled. But Lord, just give us a desire to continue to pursue you. And Lord, to continue to every day check our hearts and confess our sins. Because your promise is that if we confess our sins, you are right, righteous. And you will forgive all of our unrighteousness. Father, just do a work among us. Lord, I pray that men would, would, um, would get together with other men and begin to, to, to overcome this uh, struggle together. I pray that women would get together with other women and, and work through their, their struggles. And Lord, we would walk this faith together and we would be changed. Lord, this, this morning I praise you for the work that is going on. Lord, the moving of your Holy Spirit in the hearts of people here, and I pray that you would continue that work. That it wouldn't end when we walk out of here, but it would it would continue as we get in our vehicles and as we as we go home and as we start our week. Lord, there would be there, be continue, continuous victory over these thoughts and these desires that we have, and Lord, that we would just honor and glorify you with our lives. I pray all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, stand with me. Just a word. You know, I'm sure some of you this morning, um, this is you. And if you walk out of here and you forget about this and you do nothing about it, uh, you've just been defeated again. And he will continue to walk in defeat. But if you take steps to to talk to somebody, uh, to begin a process of accountability, I will guarantee you that you will make progress. And God will begin to transform your life. But it takes you taking that first step to be victorious in this battle. Have a wonderful week.